This is the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! The only podcast where the host actually admits to driving a minivan. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be sh- And now your host, TJ. So it's the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. Normally, you know, as I said last night when I was talking with Pat, we're going to, you know, we're still going to do the weekly show that is, you know, silly, goofy, talking, you know, soccer nerd talk. Yeah, that's not going to happen tonight. Um, I'm here. I'm TJ. I don't have Pat. I don't have Chris. But I've been blessed to have one of my previous guests come back tonight. And in the wake of the news today of all the cancellations with uh, not cancellations, that's not the wrong term, strike with the Milwaukee Bucks starting it, and then all the NBA, the Brewers going through it, uh, you know, for protesting what is wrong in Kenosha and what has been wrong for the longest period of time. I'm blessed to have John Brown back with me from from the, from the Outer Drive soccer pod that's on hiatus, and life gets in the way of soccer pods sometimes, John, but I, I tell you, I'm glad to have you back, and, and thanks for doing this tonight with me, so I do appreciate that. It's always an honor, TJ, first of all. Secondly, uh, you know, like you said, life gets in the way of things, but life also gives us opportunities to to take it by the horns and make the best of it. And with all the, the you know, the striking from the NBA playoffs and, you know, the other teams, the other, you know, sports leagues really recognizing what needs to be addressed, um, it's an honor to be on your show to, to, you know, give my piece and, you know, Help, uh, how can I, how can I word this? I guess help foster a, a positive conversation and a non-adversarial conversation. Um, you and I are, are homies, you know, we've, we've interacted and know each other for a, a while now. And, you know, I want to, I know that you and I can have an honest conversation without, you know, without having to pull punches. And, you know, if, and, and I want to let everybody know right now, I have a tendency to ramble I have encouraged TJ already to rein me in if I go nuts, but I've also encouraged TJ to like ask literally anything that uh, n- nothing's off the table right now because really it's been avoiding these conversations that has gotten to this country to where it's at right now. So I, I look forward to uh, to you and I chopping it up a little bit and you know talking like grown men about a grown person situation. Sure, and and it and it and thank you for that. It, it's it's awesome for me because. When everything happened in Minneapolis a few weeks ago, I sat there and I didn't – and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm in the military. Being an officer, I'm not supposed to say anything con- you know, contradictory or controversial. You know, My image as an officer, you're supposed to just maintain focus. I'm done with it. I can't do it anymore. I cannot sit here, somebody who is grown up and lived in – one of the whitest white area, you know, I grew up in suburban Milwaukee where we had other than exchange students from Africa, one or two black students in our school, in my high school, mm-hmm. University of Minnesota was better, you know, but and I now live in the Southwest suburbs of Chicago where in similarly white neighborhoods. So I, I'm not in a position to be smart about this. I, I, I don't know how else to phrase it. So it's time for me to ask questions. It's time for me to learn some stuff, and it's time for me to use what platforms I have to make this a better place. One of the things they talk about in the military is 
leave things better than how you found it. Right. Well, right. that has resonated with me. And that's what I want to do with my entire life. Leave it the planet better than how I found it in any way I can. Is this a huge platform? No, it's a soccer pod. Everybody has a soccer pod. But I, ha- <laughs> but I, ha- but I have, <laughs> and I'm going to give it the voice I can give it. So I'm, I'm going to start, like I said, as a Bucks fan today, as somebody grew up watching the Bucks in Milwaukee, watching the Brewers growing up, I couldn't be prouder of my local teams. This came out of nowhere. Yeah, and it's, it's not a, bo- it's, it's not, the right it's, not a, thing to do. it's a strike. It is a strike. And it was awesome to see. And why did they not do it Monday? Because they hadn't processed it yet. They had some time to talk about it. They discussed it mm-hmm. and said, forget it. We're not doing this. To see the num- the best team in the NBA say, we're not taking the court this until things change. I mean, the thing about it, and and if anyone wants to give like any kind of like short shrift as far as like, well, they should have done this the day it happened and all this different kind of stuff. You know, there's if 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 people haven't seen it yet, there's a clip of Chris Webber from uh, NBA on TNT. Uh, he usually calls the games. Fellow Detroiter, you know Detroit. What he went to my brother's high school. Um, he's yeah, very I, eloquent. He's very, very eloquent. But I'm going to step in with my little bit of levity that he almost yeah. went to Minnesota with Vashon. I'm just going to go back and say that <laughs> so we almost had him at Minnesota, but he stayed Actually, at Michigan. Quick, quick, yeah, quick aside <laughs> with that. If Chris had gone to Minnesota with Voshan Leonard, they would have also gotten Jalen. Yes, they would I have. Guarantee, I you guarantee you that. <laughs> and, and thank God they went to U of M. Anyway, um, the thing, if, if people haven't seen um, him trying to, you know, come to terms with with the strike and, like, the motivations behind it and everything, um, it's, it's beautiful. And it actually encapsulates a little bit of an issue I'm having right now um, with having to explain to my son how this is all going down because he's only, he's only nine, right? Um, he's a very smart kid, very sharp kid. So we've told him about some of the, the issues of the marching that's been going on. Um, a little bit of, he's, he notices the looks that we get and I should add a little bit of context here. My son is very, very white, super duper white, um, blonde hair, blue eyes. Uh, he's, you know, my wife had him before she and I were together. Uh, so, and, and, you know, for those who don't know, I'm super duper black, dark skinned as hell. Uh, so we look like a very contrasting couple of people walking around, but you know, we'd be holding hands. He's my, he's my kid. He's my dude. Um, I've been raising him since he was just over a year old. So, there is no dad but me, as far as he's concerned. And he knows about, you know, that, that I'm a stepdad, like, you know, literally. But he knows also that our family dynamic is a blended interracial family. And that's just all he's grown up in. So for him, this is the most normal shit in the world. And we've had to explain to him that, you know, there are people that are going to look at us that, that are going to have, you know, derision in their eyes and enmity in their eyes when they see us because they think that this is wrong. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, he's like, my Mimi's black. My Uncle Steven loves me. How could people just think that way? And it's just that automatic for him. Um, so my wife just happened to mention uh, Jacob Blake today. And it was, and he shot up like, who's that? What do you mean he can't walk? You know, and I'm like, ah, oh, man, don't worry about it, folks. It's something in the news, you know. And 
eventually I'm going to have to let them know it's like, hey man, you know, there's there are people out here that have the power to ruin the life that we've built just because they don't like the way that our family looks together, just even because they don't like me. And it's 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 crazy to think that I have to explain this to my kid. Um, but at the same time, you know, and, 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 you know, back to the original point, what Chris Weber was saying was it's, if it doesn't tug at your heartstrings, you really need to examine your life because he's, he's talking about trying to explain this to like his younger cousins that haven't even seen like violent movies and watch someone get killed in a movie. It's fake, but he has to talk about what's happening on the news and people get shot for no, for literally no reason on the news. And, you know, having to have that, that tough heart to heart with a nine year old and break it down to their level. Um, I've honestly had, don't have it in me right now because I know the follow up question is going to be, you know, are all police this way? Um, why do people believe, behave this way? And do I need to be worried? You know, is Charlotte, my, my daughter, his sister, who's biracial, is she going to be treated differently than me? Aside from just the fact that he's a boy and she's a girl. Um, it's, it's tough. You know what I mean? And it harkens back to a conversation my mom and I had, and this is the rambling I was talking about, everybody, a conversation my mom and I had when I was literally 13 years old about how to deal with the police and how to deal with white strangers when they see me hanging out with my white friend and the different reactions that I'll get. And at the time, it like blew my mind. They're like, what do you mean? These are my friends. These are my friend's parents. You know, this, we all live in the same town um, until at the age of 13, it was laid bare for me. And it's funny that you mentioned that you had that conversation with your son. I had to start that conversation with my son this afternoon and he's eight. We're going to mm. soccer. We're going to soccer practice and all the stuff with the bucks strike started right as we were getting ready to leave for practice. What he says, well, what do you mean? It's the playoffs. They're going to play. No son. They're not. Why aren't they going to play? Well, because they, there's things in there in this and, and it, and it's a, and again, this is somebody who the cops in our neighborhood there. It's the Fred Rogers. You know, these are the people of your neighborhood. Right. He, right. The, right. He's met the police here and they're, they are, they're very wonderful to him, obviously mm-hmm. as, as, as an eight year old, they did a drive, you know, because his birthday was in April and that's right when the pandemic started, they did a drive by and wished him a happy birthday over the loudspeakers. It was cool as hell. That and, is cool. And, but yet, having to explain to him that they shot a guy, that the police in Kenosha shot a guy seven times. Well, what did he do wrong? Nothing. Literally nothing. He walked Literally away. He goes, and yeah. they shot him? Yes. In front of his kids. In, in, exactly. And his world is too small to understand because let's say it, it, my, my son is more like what Chris Weber was talking about with his nephews and whatever. We don't expose him to violent movies. Star Wars is about as violent as we let it, we have let him see. We King don't Kong. let him. And, you know, Godzilla, you know what I mean? Like fantastical, this shit could never happen. Yeah, that whole building full of people fell down, but there, it's a CGI sprite. Who the fuck cares, right? It, right, and the the event, I, we've let him watch the Avengers. I, I shouldn't, but again, science fiction, comic book, it's not real. Bullshit, and, right. Maybe maybe the Avengers are real. Not really sure. Maybe, maybe we're kind of <laughs> Depends who you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forget this, but yeah. But to him, 
he doesn't understand that dynamic and having to explain, start that conversation with him of was, So they shot him because he's black. I said, yeah. Yeah. Why? What? He goes, and he, and he, again, he goes to a Catholic school. He's very, he's a Catholic boy. He just did his first communion. I couldn't be prouder of him. He said, the only difference between a white person and a black person is God made their skin black. There's no different. Yep. And I'm and sitting there going, and, and, and that's the, and that's as a father, what I want to teach him with everybody. Doesn't matter anything else. They're all made, you know, for him are all made in God's image. They're all, mm-hmm. God made them, may have made them look different, but they're still all made in God's image. And if I can keep that with him, I feel as a dad, I'm going to win and he's going to learn some things. He's going to see some things that, and he's going to hopefully do exactly what I'm hoping to do and leave the world in a better place than I found it. And honestly, that's all you can really ask for. Um, because really, the whole everything, like whether it be Breonna Taylor, rest in peace, that's a, that's a fucking abortion of justice oh happening God. right now. Abortion of justice that's happening right now. I, and I use that word very specifically. Okay? It's not a miscarriage of justice, because a miscarriage happens naturally. A miscarriage happens because of bodily functions, right? An abortion is a willful act. Mind you, I'm pro-choice. But in this situation, I'm using the word abortion specifically for that reason. This mm-hmm. is an intentional act to excise justice from this woman's life. Okay? What your son says is the bullseye of the whole situation. People are people, right? And I'm not one of those, you know, I, I reject the whole, oh, I don't see race, because people that say that usually say the most fucked up shit to you right afterwards. And pardon my, and pardon my friends, I'm very annoyed about this whole, I'm like, I'm beyond annoyed. Like, if anybody follows me on Instagram or, or, or Twitter, at postfavist, F-A-U-V-I-S-T, um, you, you've seen me going through it a little bit right now, mm-hmm. because, right, because it's, 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 it's majorly wrong, right? Whenever people hit me with that, well, I see, I don't see race. It's like, no, what you see, you uh, you imagine me being white, so you could be comfortable with me. What your son said is a hundred percent on point. Everybody just looks different. We are all humans. We just look different. Now, people do have different skills. People sure. do have different abilities. People have different acumen, right? And so, and then, and then people have varying personalities. Some that you treat with more respect than, than less. If somebody comes at you sideways, you don't have to respect that person as much as you would somebody that comes at you properly, right? Fair but enough. When it all boils down to it, there's a certain level of human interaction that that everyone should get before you decide whether or not that person is worth the extra effort or not. People and, and- like Jacob Blake and people like Breonna Taylor, Philando Castile, man, that could be a whole podcast about Philando Castile. Oh my, yeah. That, oh wow. That that day will will stick with me. It's been it's been four years. That day will stick with me for my entire life. And there's no reason for these people to be dead besides the fact that someone with a gun and a badge and the legal and the legal representation to to do literally whatever the hell they please. And they're like, well, you know, it was in those line of duty. Well, I don't know what to tell you. 
are just sitting here and and lynching people, right? And then getting away with it. And none of this should be happening. You know what I mean? Like, and and it's the worst part about it is how it gets subterfuged into other shit and and straw manned into other shit. Oh, and. and and I'm gonna and I'm gonna jump on you on this one because that's and I think that's what Eps, I think makes me more mad than anything at this point. They they with with um, George Floyd, well his record, it, um, it, it's all well they had this going on. They had this. There is nothing that happened with George Floyd. There's nothing that in his record if he it, that is a death sentence. Yeah, Philando like Castro, back- same thing. They, they, it, it's not a death sentence, and yet I mean, I mean for and, real. And, and, I'm, and, and Brianna, I'm a- Brianna Taylor's in a whole level, a whole another level of that's fucked up. Yeah, no question. But nothing serving a warrant is not a death sentence. None of this is right. Let's like and let's and let's boil this down because I've heard people be like, you know, I've heard you know, red hats be on this oh well they were a criminal well you know you live that criminal life he was like okay so let me get this straight let me i'm, I'm gonna paint a picture for y'all right for whoever's listening pop some popcorn this is about to get interesting i've been arrested three times okay uh all of which as it turns out for driving on a suspended license okay minor traffic right but in michigan that you go to jail for that okay fine build out that night yada 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 at no point in those interactions with the police, right, did I do anything that that required them to step the level of force up, okay? The last time I got arrested, uh, it was in Birmingham, Michigan, incredibly affluent city. Lady cop. She was the most respectful police officer I've ever had, and I thanked her endlessly while sitting cuffed in the back of her car. I thanked her endlessly for talking to me like a human, for talking to me like an adult, and and being as polite to me as she could given the situation. And she immediately was like, it's really sad that you have to thank me for that. Like, this, this is how it's supposed to be. I'm just doing my job. It's really sad that you have to go out of your way and thank me as much as you have been about it. And I was like, maybe so. But I've seen so much otherwise, I can't help but thank you for this because I'm in Birmingham and this could have easily gone sideways. And then when I go to you know, adjudicate this whole thing, I go to court afterwards, you owe this, you owe that. The court was in Bloomfield, Michigan, an even more affluent suburb. But the courthouse in Bloomfield services Pontiac, Michigan, one of the poorest, blackest cities in Michigan. If I'm, when I was in that courtroom, my wife and I, my super-duper, at the time, pregnant wife and my son are sitting there in court waiting for my goofy ass to go up there and be like, yeah, I did this, I'm sorry. All the black and brown people in the courthouse are getting fine, 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 fine. Here you go. Every white dude in the courthouse, right? There was just as many. It was 50-50. But every white dude had a suit on, had lawyers to represent them, and had a whole lot of like machinations and movement going on around the shit that they had going on. And it was obviously heavy duty shit. One was a stalking charge. One was a drug charge. And these dudes had all kinds of representation, expensive lawyers. I'm sitting there in a button up and a bow tie and my heavily pregnant wife 
And I'm like, yo, okay, yes, I drove on this because I could not afford to pay my fine. You know what I mean? And then, you know, it, it was really stark to me to see, like, who was getting the hammer and who was not getting the hammer. You know what I mean? And this has nothing to do with a policeman leaning on my neck. This is the criminal justice system. This is an affluent suburb, that district of that court, making money off of the poor inner city that happened to be in that district. And then everyone doing crazy shit is, you know, yeah, you know, uh, for the case of so-and-so and so-and-so, um, he's not allowed to use, a, he can't contact so-and-so through email, telephone, uh, fax machine, X, Y, and Z, and he has to uh, forfeit all of his computers in his house. I'm like, this motherfucker did some crazy shit. But they didn't stay his charge. That, that was telling to me. My wife and I drove home, and I was like, yo. We, we did the whole, like, postmortem of the whole shit. I was like, did you notice all them dudes with suits on? No one said what they did wrong, but they had a whole bunch of lawyers. And she was like, I, yeah, I noticed that too. And that's the crux of the biscuit. You know what I mean? It's not just about getting clapped in the street. It's not just about, you know, mistaken identity. It's not just about no-knock warrants. It's about an entire structure, an entire infrastructure that's meant to basically monetize these these inner city neighborhoods that are, you know, marketed as, you know, dangerous and this, that, and the third, over-policed, under-educated, under-serviced, and then let's, let's rake these people through the coal so they can drive shitty cars so we can have an excuse to pull them over. You know what, it's, it all, it all, it, it, it's, a, sure. it's a tangled it, web. It's a stupid tangled web. Sure. It's a poor, it, you can't afford to get the taillight fixed. So now you've got the broken taillight. You get pulled over, you get a ticket for that. Mm-hmm. So you can't pay the fine there. Now you've got a suspended license for not paying your fine. Now you get pulled exactly. over, and in Michigan, now you're going to jail for it. And you're going to get fined exactly. for that again. And you still have got the fine for the original broken taillight. You have an original fine for driving on a suspended license. Now you have another one, and now you can't get insurance. Or if you can, that's going to gonna get take you over the coals. And Skyrockets in Michigan. Let me and tell it, you what. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, yeah. And then let's not forget the impound fee. Right, at, so this at is like fifty dollars a day, or seventy-five dollars a day, or something absurd. Exactly. Yeah. So no, there's the initial impound fee of the tow, and then mm-hmm. the per day fee. So this is a whole industry. This is a cottage industry built on the backs of marginalized people. Okay. Right, oh. and that's the that's the issue. Right, that's really what this boils down to. It catalyzes and crystallizes into police violence, but it starts at poor schools. It starts at poor housing. And it starts at it starts at schools having fifteen year old books. You know, my mom grew up in Detroit, went to school in Detroit her entire life. They always had at least five year behind books. And 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 I'm, and that that was going to be my next point or comp point to kind of steer the discussion was the educational was education and yep. and that's that's to me where it starts. Like I said, I grew up in suburbia. I live in suburbia. My taxes are through the roof. Mm. I've got schools that are really, really good. And And that's what you pay for, right? That's what you want, right? Like like Alicia and I are looking to buy a house now. It sucks to pay taxes, but it's like, you know what? We're going to move to X, Y, and Z. These are the three cities we're looking at because we know that their school systems are the best. Mm -hmm. And we're not not moving to Detroit. And people are going to skewer me about that. But we're not moving in the city because I have two small children. I have literally... 
between the two of them, 30 years of school to, to contend with right now. Sure. I'm not going to send them to, you know, I'm not going to send them to Henry Ford High School. You know, I'm sorry, Detroit. I love you. I love you to death. But the government has done its level best to fuck up your schools for the past literally 50 years. So we have to live in the suburbs. And then you watch the whole shit happen from your side of the tracks, you know, which I'm which I'm sure you've you've seen both in Milwaukee and in Chicago. Yeah, um, I have. And especially and I want to say almost Milwaukee more than Chicago to a degree. I mean, I grew when I grew up in Milwaukee, God, they had an alderman who was violent. Black Panthers going to have people on. And this was news. I mean, this was news it would have people on route on. Overpasses shoot, you know, shooting and dropping bricks on cars and shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, it was that level. And Milwaukee has always been an incredibly segregated city, and it, it, it just, it doesn't work. It doesn't. It's, we, we yeah. got. If you want, if you want to make this better, if you, it, it all starts to me. And you're gonna, and correct me if I'm wrong. It starts with education. Give people an education. The level I had, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're going to solve a ton of these problems because people aren't going to. They're going to understand. I think that there's more out there. There's a better way to handle. Make and to me, I will have my my t- a year ago. I had was on our ballot. I was going to pay. I think I'm paying an extra half a percent or a percent on my property taxes. Because it was going in education. I'm already in a well-to-do suburb of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie about it. But hey, more to go into education? Okay, fine. I'll pay that. Exactly. Exactly. I wouldn't even think about it. But you know, you know what, though? I'm starting to sit there and look at it and go, there's a, there's a hell of a tax base here. Why is it that... My taxes... I, I, I love the fact that my taxes give us great education. Why can't they pool the taxes together at this point and get those to places that need to have? Because to me, if you give people an education, you're giving them a chance. You give them a chance, you're probably going to push down crime. And now, 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 but then again, now you're getting in taking away that that whole racket of how to how to make money for the city that way. But exactly. And, and and here and here's the thing. But would you but would you make it but would you make it back up by higher income taxes because people are making more money and doing better if they're not doing you know give people a chance give people an education I'm willing to bet the crime rates will continue would would drop because people can will have better oppor- will have better opportunities not great ones necessarily they'll have better chances but at least and and like you said it's, it's exposure right I I grew up primarily in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and Ann Arbor, Michigan, Metro DC, Metro Detroit. Um, so thereby, I was exposed to excellent school systems. I have never gone to a shitty school. I've, I, well, even when we moved back to the city, when we moved back to Detroit, I went to private school in the suburbs because my mom was like, you are not going to McKenzie High School because you've been in the suburbs your entire life. Some hood dude is gonna eat you up alive we're not even going to deal with this. And even if you make it, even if you survive, do well, you're not going to get the quality of education that you've been accustomed to. You're going to fly through it, not be challenged, and then no college is going to accept you because you came from a Detroit high school. Okay? Now, the reason 
why they won't pull these things. And it, and it's funny that as you said that, it, it jumped right in my brain. It'd be the same beefs that these people have about uh, about healthcare, right? Like Obamacare, you know, nationalized healthcare, right? Federalized healthcare. The beef that they have with that is like, well, I got a good job and I'm paying taxes off of my good job and I pay for my insurance off of my good job. Why should these people that don't have a good job benefit from my hard work? And I've, I've, I have a, one of my bosses is from, uh, from Toronto, is from Hamilton, uh, mm-hmm. Ontario. And, you know, as, as a Canadian, you know, there are certain socialistic things that they get down with. That's just a matter of course. And he and I were having this conversation. And he was like, you Americans get it all wrong with this. Like my mother and he has him. He's like, my mother had breast cancer. She did not pay a single dollar out of pocket to get a mastectomy, you know, a lumpectomy, occupational therapy, psychological therapy, and all the aftercare that you need. And she's been, you know, all the, uh, the, the doctor's appointments, follow-up care, all that shit. They'd have to pay a single dime, right? And he was like, if that means I have to pay 30% taxes off of my payroll, I'll, he's like, I'll pay 35 because even though I haven't had to go to the doctor but for one knee injury playing soccer, I'm healthy as a horse. If that means my neighbor doesn't have to pay anything to go to, to go to the hospital and he'll be fine and he's not dead or destitute or has to start selling his pain his painkillers because he can't afford his medical care, I don't know, United States opioid epidemic, hello, um, then I'll gladly pay that money. But Americans, by and large, are too selfish to think that far ahead. So well, pooling all that in that revenue to make the entire you know like say if there's like a school authority for like a couple different communities or an entire state schooling better um the rich people will definitely have a problem with that because they'll feel they'll feel that they earned those the spot that they got to as opposed to the whole reagan lifting every boat kind of kind of analogy that he used to use well and, it, and it's twofold to me it's twofold john and, and you're hitting both to me in in that and that they said I said education you give people chance you give people chance their chances they're going to get a better job they're going to be better employed they're not going to crime isn't going to be as opportunistic for them medic medicine's the same damn way yes. and that's that's the the idea of Obamacare socialized medicine is when you don't feel well you go to your doctor mm-hmm. you get seen mm-hmm. they look at it. They find things earlier because you're going to your doctor. You're not waiting until, why am I so dizzy? Oh, crap, you got th- stage three cancer already. Now you're in thou- hundred, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars of treatment. You're, you get the lower, the earlier you can solve the problem, the cheaper it becomes later on. Boom. I'm glad you said that. Michigan's former garbage as shit I would spit on him in a heartbeat regardless of a pandemic governor Rick Snyder formerly of CompuWare uh, the one good thing he did when he was governor mm-hmm. and this was prior to him poisoning Flint the one good thing that he did as governor was to invest in early childhood education and head sure. start in the state of Michigan I'm a head start baby okay. um we're not, and I grew up in Crack Arrow, Michigan, Crack Arrow, Detroit, right? I have family members that I have all kinds of drug problems that we had to negotiate through the 80s and 90s to get to where we are now. Mm-hmm. Everybody's gravy now. Everybody's super gravy now. It's, but it was a rough 20 years, right? Him doing that was one of the smartest things that he could have done because 
that money pays itself forward exponentially. The money you save having to incarcerate somebody because they got a shitball education, is, it, it, pays, it pays for itself many, many times over. It's preventative care, just like you said. It's preventative care. You want to prevent these police shootings? You want to prevent over-police communities that look at police officers as the enemy because they've made themselves the enemy? Sorry for any law enforcement people that might be listening to this, because they've made the, the FOPs have allowed them to make themselves an enemy. A little bit, a, well, what's, what's the saying? A stitch in time, or this, like, was it? A stitch in rhyme says two in time. Measure, measure once, no, measure twice, cut once. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's that kind of shit, right? If we just, I don't know, tell these little five-year-olds, you can do shit, and here's how you do it. Tell these little five-year-olds, here's how you use technology, because when you get to literally any job after you leave high school, you're going to have to deal with a computer. You shouldn't just fall upon one when you're 17. You know what no, I mean? It, and Teach kids music and art. You know what I mean? Like, that will save so many lives. And I am, I, I will tell you, I am as musically challenged, as artistically <laughs> challenged I, you know, the number of push-ups at basic training I cost my unit because I have no rhythm and I could not march in to save my life. That's but I will tell you, <laughs> but I will tell you, I am glad you hit the humanities, music and art, mm -hmm. and, and then and you bridged it with technology. A well-rounded education makes you a better person. There are people like I'm a history grad. Have I done a ton with my life as I would have if I'd gone to medical school? school? No. But am I a well-rounded person? Yeah, I am. And Happier? I will tell you, I will tell you, when I got my degree, well, you can go work at Star, you know, I, I can go work at McDonald's and, um, you I know, hate that. I, I hate that. Well, and, I, I, and, I and I laugh about this. My younger brother who doesn't listen, my older brother will remember that, and he does listen. My younger brother started working at McDonald's when he was 15 years old. He finished college without a debt, without with a house and a car that was paid off because he let he worked at McDonald's yeah. through his college career up until his senior year when he moved to a bank, worked in the banking industry. He was he was a shift manager. They paid for his college. They he made enough. He made enough. They paid for his tuition. And he made enough where he could live a life that he had a house and a car by the time he was done with with college. So don't knock McDonald's. I know what they're I know what their managers made in the '90s. They're making a head manager at McDonald's in the '90s is making sixty five, seventy five thousand dollars a year. They're probably over. And this is in Wisconsin. They're probably making six figures now. Don't knock it. It's sure it's though though you get any business that if you work hard enough, you do it well. You can, but again, now we're getting back to the crux of the matter. There are people who are going, because of how they look, are going to be pushed down, and that's not appropriate. Opportunity, right? And it also it also fits with, and, and one thing I want to say real quick, right? Sure. I'm saying this from a suburban black dude's, you know, perspective. I was born in the city, right? I was born in Detroit. Mm-hmm. I was primarily raised in Ann Arbor and Metro D.C. So my mom, as a, as a U of M alum, Go blue. As a U of M alum, she yeah. was a. <laughs> she, she I'm was a golden a, gopher, so I have to do it. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. It's all good. It's like you, you didn't go to Ohio State, so it's fine. Um, the, no, they, uh, the yeah, we aren't going to talk about them. She, yeah, right. Yeah. The things that she was afforded because of that was a completely different world compared to her sisters that didn't go to college, right? Or didn't go to college until later, right? My mom graduated from U of M in 1992. I was 10. She was a single parent with two kids and graduated U of M. I have yet to finish school and I didn't have kids until my 30s, okay? The, obviously the whole bootstrap, oh my God, you just pull yourself up and work hard. Da, 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 da. No, that, that you need to have people help you foster you through your life. There's nobody that has made it through their lives by their goddamn selves. Everybody gets some help because we're humans. We're a community. You're supposed to help people out. No one's supposed to do this shit by themselves. That's, well, and, you, you know and, what I mean? And, no, and, and, and just real quick, just real quick. Sure, sure. Because, because of her having finished school, that allowed me to be raised in a suburban area. That allowed me to be exposed to things that I would otherwise would not. You know, I didn't start playing music because I would have, I would not have started playing music had I still lived in the inner city. The reason I started playing music, I started playing guitar because my Jewish friends had guitars. And I was like over there trying to eat kosher and be like, yo, can I learn how to do this? And, and stuck with it. Here we are 25 years later, I play like five different instruments. But because, but the only reason I got exposed to that was because of the, the access that I had to people with more financial stability than me. And if you're surrounded by people that are as financially unstable as you are, and this doesn't matter for race, if you're surrounded by people that are as financially unstable as you are, you don't know how the other side lives. And you don't think of that as a goal, as a realm of possibility, nothing. That doesn't exist to you, right? That's like, that's like an ant, right, knowing that Jupiter exists. An ant could give a fuck less about Jupiter. They're concerned about their hill and going to eat that cicada that they just found, right? But if you, you know, if they had the acumen for you, would be like, hey, yo, I'm going to put you on a... On a spaceship i'm going to shoot you out to jupiter i'm going to bring you back to your homegirls and you can tell all your aunt homies about the planet you just saw that didn't have any solid ground that's crazy and and i know it's a wild analogy but that's really what it boils down to if you grow up in the hood you don't think about the fact that like hey i could just by like instead of like watching homeboy over here slang rocks or slang weed whatever it is slang and slang and slang it right and I'm just using drugs as a, as a stand-in here for literally whatever. Mm -hmm. If someone has the acumen to sell drugs successfully and not get killed, then he could literally be a Fortune 500 CEO. Probably. think of that. Look at Jay-Z. They don't think of that Dr. because Dre. that's not the... That, it, it, 50 Cent, right? Snoop Dogg, right? Nelly before he lost all of his money to taxes because he had a bad accountant. Um, hey, leave Lionel Messi out of this. <laughs> and Neymar. <laughs> and Neymar. <laughs> and, yeah. and, her, and everybody else that played for Real Madrid. What is it with Real Madrid? Nobody having a good account. Anyway. Um, but Messi played for Barcelona, but he still had the same problem. Yeah. It, terrible. It, yeah. <laughs> terrible. But, but I'm, 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 I came from Enron. <laughs> But I, anyway, I, I, want to, I want to touch on something you had said. You, you said nobody goes through this by yourself. I've worked for Fortune 500, a lot of, uh, for several for, different Fortune 500 companies. I, I've worked in the financial industry most of my professional life. 
and I've been in the United States military for 16 years. I'm, I'm a major in the Army Reserves. Every place I have worked, every one of those has emphasized having a mentor, having people to help grow you, your managers, your whatever. And right. you, you said nobody does this alone. And that's exactly it. Nobody does. Whether it's family or whatever, even in the professional world, they talk about having a mentor, have somebody to, to and it's just to me that that's an important, it is an important piece. If I ever use, utilize it to the level I should have, probably not. I'd probably be further along than I am. But that said, there is always somebody who knows more than you, unless you're, unless you're a musician and your name is Prince and then nobody knew more than you. But well, yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, and you know, the, the thing about it, well, and the thing that's the most messed up about it is that <laughs> people are like shamed for for like asking for help. The culture that we've like fostered in this country is like, oh, you're asking for help. Like, like it goes for therapy, especially with black folks. We do not talk to fucking mental health professionals about shit. Um, if it comes to going to therapy professional assistance um my ex one time i she she hated her job she worked at old navy she hated her job she mm-hmm. it was like the, it was like the third month in a row she had to go in at 6 a.m for whatever because she was an assistant manager she was like i fucking hate this job and so i was like we have a you know our our it's not unemployment but it does it handles unemployment it's called michigan works sure. and so if you're looking for looking for work um, looking for, you know, furthering your education, getting like certified as like a yeoman, that sort of thing. That's the place you go through. But it also does, you know, unemployment. And so I was like, yo, just go to Michigan Works, like let them know what skills you have. You know what I mean? You've been, you've been managing people for this long. You know how to do this, that, and the other thing to see what they have available for you. And she was just like outdone that like oh i can't ask for help that's where that's where poor people go and all this different stuff and i'm like i don't think you got that right i think you're thinking about that the wrong way and instead of like just hating your job you should probably use the tools that we have to like improve your lot in life you know what i mean and 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 this isn't shading her whatsoever she's i haven't talked to that motherfucker forever so like i I, I don't care but like that's uh, that's a symptom of what I see in, you know, overall where people are like, I can't bother to ask for help. I can't do this. I can't do that. And it's like, no, it's okay to have help. Right. Black folks be saying it takes a village because if one person tries to raise a raft of children on their own, they're going to get stressed the fuck out. Right. Sure. If you have grandmothers, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, cousins, every, anyone that's willing to lend a hand to help, impart some knowledge on some kids, help correct some kids, help discipline some kids. It takes everybody to make sure that kid becomes a good human being, right? So for us as adults, we need to utilize those tools that we have to make us better. You know, just let's just talk about professionally. How do I improve myself professionally, right? You have managers, you have mentors, you have, you know, you have peers, and everyone has something to offer to you, right? It just matters whether or not you want to listen to it. But and back to the topic, too many black people in this country don't even know where to start with that because we don't have the opportunity to. I'm fortunate enough to have gone to private school. I'm fortunate enough to have gone to college. I'm fortunate enough to have been raised where I was raised and come from a family that values education. Not every family is like that. And if you come from an environment where
where education is derided, if you come from an environment where, where a proper education is a detriment, you aren't going to think of that as an opportunity. You aren't going to think of that as a way out. For you, your way out is what you see directly in front of you. You saw so-and-so's cousin get a scholarship to such and such college, and now he's playing in Greece. You know what? That's $100,000 a year. That's doctor money. I'm going to try and play basketball and play in Greece until you blow your ACL and then you're slanging, right? Or you see someone's, someone's cousin who's a doctor, right? And then you don't even – I'm going to just show up one day and, like, oh, take your so-and-so to, to work day, right? Let me ask questions about what this profession is. You don't, you're not even exposed to these professions until some shit happens. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and not even looking at these possibilities in life is hamstringing generations of children, has hamstrung generations of children. You know, I'm fortunate enough to have a family that, like, that wasn't going to happen, that wasn't an option, and a very determined mother that that was not going to happen. But a lot of children aren't fortunate enough to have moms no. like that much of a shit. And that's and that's not even and that's not even because well, you're from Michigan. I grew up in Wisconsin. I've lived in Minnesota. I now live in Illinois. We're in areas that value education. There are parts of this country. Doesn't matter who you. They don't value education. And it's, it is it's tragic. It's like, yeah, man. Like where I used to live, it was like, oh wow, you're bilingual. People were shocked that I was bilingual, and I was like, uh, "Well, you know, I went to private school. I, I grew up in a in an area that has lots of people from all over the place. So to sure. me, bilingualism was a goal. I was jealous of my friends. As like I was a little kid growing up in Ann Arbor and the U of M campus, there were so many Koreans and Indian people that I knew that like the kids could swap, 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 you know, from English to Farsi to English to Farsi without even mm -hmm. thinking about it, English to Korean without even thinking about it, not missing a beat. I was jealous." I felt like I was missing out. So I've, I made it a point to like, listen, I am going to learn another language, hell or high water, because that's dope. Do you know how many times people looked at me like, why did you even waste your time doing that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why yeah. You waste your time learning about another culture and language. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, 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 and to your point about whole swaths of the country that aren't like that, at this point now, politically, we have people that are like championing being that ignorant. And I'm not going to name any names because nope. y'all. But it, we have people championing being as ignorant as possible about the world around us, and being as ignorant as possible about the people that exist with us, and that we have to do business with, and we have to live with. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and, and even if you don't get into business, it's just like be more cognizant of the world around you. But it gets in the way of creating kids that just turn a cog that just make a widget that don't think critically and then we'll just parrot whatever bullshit idea they hear on the news fair enough and and that's fair and now i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree with you to a just a, it's you're, you're the person who just turns a cog turns a widget you know what there is some there is some honor in it but you're but being unaware of the person around you to me around the world around you is the flaw and i don't know where it started when i was a kid now and again i grew up in an area where it didn't matter as much i grew up in an, on an acre and a half everybody had an acre you know two acres an acre, you know in the middle of nowhere wisconsin or 30 minutes west of milwaukee so really the, that point suburbia wisconsin 
right, not right. even suburbia. We were on. If you went, the house, the property north of us was a farm. I mean, so. I but you, I will tell. Wife... But I'll. But I'll tell you. We went to the neighbor's house. We got in trouble. We got in trouble with the neighbor. We knew every neighbor around us, and then somewhere in there, and probably some of it was good. It, it just in the, because. Creeps got around. People started snatching kids, or at least that was perception. And then you didn't get to know your neighbors. <laughs> the '90s, where everybody was snatching kids. God. But that, but you stopped getting to know your neighbors. You didn't know the people around you. You didn't know your neighbors. You were, and I think, I think that has become, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm, again, correct. Feel free to speak out if I'm wrong. You talk. I, I've heard you talk about the people. You, Living around the U, the U, University of Michigan campus, you say I can't say U of M because I think Minnesota, but the Michigan campus where yeah. there's where the flopping language is back and forth. But you knew those people. Mm-hmm. I it's, you know the number of times that how many apartments did I have where I couldn't tell you who lived next to me, I couldn't tell you the person down the block. Oh yeah, and that is where that to me is because where I'm going with this is what do we do now? And but my first thought is. You need to talk to people. You need to listen. You need to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And empathize. Yeah, because 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 people I are people are too judgmental now. And sorry to interrupt you, but people are far too judgmental now. Mm-hmm. And and I fall, I find myself falling into this too. So I'm not trying to sound like you motherfuckers need to do this. Like mm-hmm. it's not like like I'm, like I'm a human. You know what I mean? And and my like I live in an apartment, and I make it. And working from home, um, and I've worked from home like far you know, before the pandemic, this is nothing new for like, for us, like the adjustment was literally, okay, Sebastian has school during the day, Charlotte, please leave him alone. When mm-hmm. dad has a conference call, let's keep it quiet. Right. <laughs> so, so I look out my, my quote unquote offices in my bedroom. So I look out my bedroom window daily, all day, every day. I see everything happening on my block. So I know who drives what I know whose kids is who, Right. I'm homies with my next door neighbor. Like, not we've we've never been over each other's house, but we've shared a drink. You know what I mean? We have conversations literally mm-hmm. daily. You know what I mean? If the kids are outside and he's out there, I'm not pressed about it because I know Jerome's got a brother's back, right? Sure. Um, he and my neighbor in our previous unit in the same apartment complex were the first two neighbors that I've had like friendly relationships with. Okay. Cause usually I keep people at arm's length. It's like, yeah, you're my neighbor and that's cool, but you're my neighbor. You know what I mean? And, and like you're saying, once people, once community starts getting disconnected, then you just look at everybody as other. Right. And the looking at everybody as other is really, you know, and congratulations to everybody. We've gotten back to the point. Looking at everybody as other really is the the um, nucleation point of the problems we're looking at right now. Because the people that have the power don't serve the communities that they're supposed to serve. They look at the entire community as, for, for those of you old enough, the imps in doom, right? They punch in the work. They go to work, do their thing, making their rounds, making their, you know, like I'm in, I'm going to go to this neighborhood, then I'm going to X Y Z neighborhood. I'm going to pull over homeboy if something's going on, yada yada. But everybody, no one looks like people. Everybody looks like the imps from Doom, and you're just waiting for a chance to buck a shot at an imp 
with the BMG, with a, with the BFG 2000. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. this isn't this isn't a video game. These are humans, right? And you know, and I'm gonna touch on one thing real quick. Sure. The drive the drive by that they did for your son's birthday, a is super cool. Like I'm not gonna be one of those idiots that calls it copaganda. There is copaganda, but that's not it, right? That's community outreach. It is. That's the sort of thing I see all the time in Grand Blank. That's the sort of thing I never, ever saw living in Detroit. The type of thing I never, ever saw living in Saginaw. You never saw the police just being kosher with people, just vibing with people, slapping a brother high five. Hey, man, how you doing? How's the family? Right? I'm not saying it needs to be like the 70s, you know what I mean, Barney Fife shit. You know what I mean? It's not like that. No, it, it, you, you, you need to have some sort of awareness, uh, situational awareness, as we call it in the military. Exactly. But you cannot continue. We can't. We as a society in the American experience cannot continue to be afraid of one another if we are going to continue the American experience. Bottom line. And, and that's my opinion. I'm probably wrong, but that's my opinion. No, you're closer to right than you than you realize, truthfully, because the fact of the matter is, um, the heightened sense of, like I said, the heightened sense of otherness, and the heightened, pardon me, and the heightened sense of combativeness in that otherness, the tribalism. Mm-hmm. It's cute. It's cute when it's sports, right? You know what I mean? Schalke sure. Shulker shows up to the. Dortmund's field, right? The Signal Iduna Park, right? And they get their little 3,000 seats, and they're screaming crazy. Then there's a line of cops, right? For two rows, for two sections, there's blank seats, right? And then for the remaining 100,000, 80,000 seats, whatever it is, it's black and yellow, right? That shit's cute. That shit's fun. That's super fun. Detroit FC. Detroit City FC. I'm aiming right at you, motherfuckers. Okay? Y'all show up to literally any other field, and y'all run the field, right? No other club has support like you guys, and it's fun to take pot shots on online. It's beautiful. That's how... Banter is supposed to be that way. But if that's the way that communities are being policed, and if that's the way that judges treat black and brown suspects and black and brown defendants... We have a real systemic cultural cancer to deal with. And once again, I choose my words very specifically here. I know you do. And you're hundred <laughs> and you're a hundred percent spot on. I, I, I think that cancer is the right word. It's which means it's not a death sentence, but man, you're going to have to work at it. We're not a palliative care yet. You know what I mean? We can mm-hmm. still, we can still do something now and to continue, to continue the analogy, right? What's the chemotherapy right now? The chemotherapy is for real, for real thinking about this and not just distracting ourselves with other shit. That's why on my, on my, on my Instagram and I said so on Twitter, this is probably what, what prompted you to, to want to talk to me. I'm going on a blackout right now on my social media. I'm still like, you know, scrolling through, liking what I see, yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. But I'm not imparting into the ether because it seems to me that the people that respect my that respect my, my my thought processes and my opinions and I try to be as tactful as possible when I explain these things. Um, I know they feel me, but I also know that the artwork that I create is a distraction. 
and even though they may be left-leaning and agree with me about every, literally 100% of what I just said, I'm still a distraction. The pretty things I draw and the pretty things I paint are a distraction. When the fact of the matter is we don't need to be doom-scrolling and just be, like, stuck in. You know what I mean? It's nothing like that. But we can't get so lost on the baby blogs and gender reveals and TikTok being banned or whatever the hell else Agent Orange wants to do. We can't get we can't get lost on the straw man bullshit when it really when the the, the crux of the biscuit. I'm gonna say that again. The crux of the biscuit is black people are targeted by people that get away with literally anything they do to us. And that stems from problems that start at the root and goes out to the leaves, right? The cops mm-hmm. are just the leaves, right? The root is poor education. The root is no jobs. The root is when you have a poor education and no job, you do illegal shit. And then that over-policed community catches these people doing illegal shit. But then you've got all these pill heads that are like, oh, it's an epidemic. Oh, my gosh. I have opioid use syndrome. And, and, and I'm not shitting on that. But the fact of the matter is, in the 80s, y'all called motherfuckers crackheads and locked them up. Where now we're, we're giving people uh, we're giving people rehab, which we should. right? Sure. I'm not saying we should not. I'm not saying, but what I'm saying is this is the approach we should have been taking 30 years ago. And to act like all of a sudden we found religion about opioids, but literally any black bum is a crackhead and needs to be locked up. Listen, y'all, that's a problem. That's a, that's a systemic issue. And that's that otherness. That's everything that I've said rolled into a, <laughs> a pea-stained egg roll. No offense to Pops. <laughs> now, now, here's my qu- Okay, so now I want to bring you back to sports a little bit. And it, the reason why is because there have been, to me, a lot of amazing... Like I said, we talked about some of the... Um, we, we talked about... One thing, a few things I've learned tonight is from the soccer element, because this is a soccer part, so we're going to do the soccer part. Yes, so the one one MLS game went through, went through tonight, and that was um, Nashville and Orlando City. And apparently, according to Gary Smith, the coach from, at, from Nashville SC, said they turned their phones off before the game. They knew nothing of this. Nobody in the league told them anything at halftime. That's why that game went through. The league... Now, some of the teams chose to can't. Now, there are statements out there, and I give Portland a ton of credit because they actually mentioned the word police brutality in their statement. Seattle came out and talked about it was a unanimous choice. Every now, the two statements made by MLS were absolutely horseshit. Uh, however, no I'm going. To, however, I'm going. Yeah, what? Not surprising. Surprise. <laughs> however. I think the league did the right thing tonight. The league is the one that told the other five games you're not going forward. And the reason the league did that is because there were some teams that wanted to play and there were some teams that did not. This covered everybody. From a PR standpoint, it made sense. And it really, it was the right thing to do. So as stupid as the league is, as terrible as their statements were, as terrible as those teams were that said, we want to play anyway, for the league to say, you know what, screw you. There are teams that don't want to play. That This is the right thing to do. Shut it down for the night. It is the right thing to do. That's really it. You and I mean? it, it, to me, the other, and I'm going to go on. I want to talk about two others because 
they fascinate me in this sense. And I don't fascinate is probably too cheesy of a word, but it's to me it's it's kind of shows me the, the potential. So one of them is tomorrow Naomi Osaka is supposed to play, I want to say the quarters or the semifinals of the Western Southern Open in Cincinnati. She's gonna sit this one out. She is the female at the highest paid female athlete in the world. And she's sitting it out. That t- I mean, that tells you that this this is serious. Yeah. Um, like all these people are like forfeiting game checks. Like I was talking to my wife about that. It's like these dudes are like forfeiting like a hundred thousand dollars, like seventy five thousand dollars just for tonight, right? And 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 add a playoff share, right? So well, these, people, these these guys are forfeiting their other than the other than the NHL, which really's got some serious fucking problems in that sense. Excuse my French on that one, but they, you know, they you know, I get it. It's hockey, but I'm gonna just say this. I'm gonna just say this. All right. This isn't this isn't an anti-hockey thing. I'm very. I used to be a huge hockey fan, and yes, I'm from Detroit. The Red Wings won everything. Hockey Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Not that, anymore. I used to. <laughs> that's a whole. If you want to have me on for that conversation, we can do that. <laughs> well, here's the thing, and it's and it's the same with baseball. Okay. Um. Two sports that have not actively uh, avoided having black people, but let's just say they have not courted black athletes sure. and don't and and really have no intention to. Um, they're both a very expensive sport, so if you're from like a less financially advantageous situation, you're not going to play either of those sports. Um, I have such a low level of expectation for both of those leagues when it comes to this particular topic. Like, like Jason Hayward was going to sit out for the Cubs just on his own. He did. He did. Right. And who else on the team? did? That was it. Okay. There is my point. Right. I... So, so the, the league didn't say, yo, this is, this is a fucked up situation. We're sitting out. You know what I mean? And, and let's like, let's not act like soccer is super woke and has a bunch of black black Americans playing. You know what I mean? I'm still an oddball on the field when I go and play. Every time I go play, I've talked about this a thousand times on my pod. I've talked about this on your pod. I've talked about this on uh, OTS. I've talked about this on Twitter, literally everywhere. Sure. My brother and I are always the oddballs whenever we go and play because they think that we're A, Jamaican, B, Nigerian, See, holy shit, you're from Detroit. That's literally every conversation that we have. And don't let it be an, you know, a non-American, right? Don't let it be an immigrant that like sees us playing and they're like, "Oh, I thought you guys only played basketball." I can't even get mad at you, motherfucker. You're from you're from Iraq. You know what I mean? I can't even be yeah. upset. You, you showed up <laughs> here five years ago. You don't know that you should not say that, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but but the fact that it's a shock still. None of this surprises me. The NHL has had such a problem with fans saying wild shit to Donald Brashear. Players saying wild shit to Donald Brashear. I remember, I remember uh, Donald Brashear when I, in the 90s. I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Hit a motherfucker in the side of the head with his stick because he said some, some crazy racist shit to him. That was Jerome McGinley. It was Jerome McGinley that did it. And it was like, what Jerome McGinley, dude, he's a scorer. He's like a captain of a team. What are you doing? And he like... Smacked the dude in the side of the head. It was, not, it was not. Ginla, it, it was not. Jerome Ginla who hit um, Brashear upside the head. I want to say it was McSorley, but let me keep keep going on that. But I, keep going on your thing on hockey because I'm going to look that up because I want to get that one that one right. 
Yeah, I, I'm, this is a 20-year-old memory, so pardon me, everybody. But <clears throat> the fact of the matter is, I'm not yep. surprised. I, I put in Donald Brashear into Google, and the thir- second one down was McSorley. So that's Marty McSorley. Yeah. And Marty McSorley says some wild shit to him. You know what well, I mean? And if, Marty McSorley is only – the only reason why he had a career – because he was the one – McSorley made his career because he was Wayne Gretzky's protector. You didn't mess with Wayne Gretzky because you got to deal with McSorley. Yeah, and that's what – that. He I was. He was a bruiser. And so, no, I, I do remember that with Brashear. And that was, t- you know, but yeah, when you're looking at the NHL now, it's Evander Kane and, and my fr- there's somebody for the while. And I'm going to forget the name on that one. But it, that that's the only ones that are speaking out about this. And it's absolutely garbage. Um, the it NHL. Is. But here but here's I, I want to step in because this is what gives me hope out of all this. Yes, now. Sir. I know I don't know how much baseball you watch, but you remember a couple of years ago during the and I don't know if you do during the All Star game, a whole lot of tweets of Josh haters from the Brewers came back to light from five ten years ago, and they were incredibly racist or I want to say homophobic and offensive. They they were brutal. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I stopped watching baseball probably eight years ago. But I'm anyway, all fans. This anyway this <laughs> afternoon. He's the one that came out and made the statement and said they were talking about not playing. And it was awkward as hell. But you want to tell, you wanna, it, it tells me two things. One, he said he was going to learn from it. It looks like he has. Number two, he's the one, when it's awkward and uncomfortable, that's the one you want make, you want make, making that statement because that's, a, I'm not comfortable with this, but I know. I believe this is the right thing to do mm, mm-hmm, to see Josh mm-hmm. Hader of all people out making this statement. And like I said, and, and that was the common theme I saw in the responses. Like this is awkward as hell, but he's the one who needs to be making the statement because you know, he's still figuring this out, but he said, I'm going to learn from my stupid mistakes in the past. It appears he has. And that tells me, and, and that tells me it's possible. I know it's possible because Lord knows if you go back and not, not my Twitter feed necessarily, but if you go back in conversations I've had with friends years ago and their friends that probably listen to go, Hey, I can tell you all these of words I should not have said. Mm. They're there. Oh, dude. But yeah. Dude. But you're yet yeah, here. You and I are talking and you know okay. what? There are things that I've learned. I, and the only thing I can continue to do is make sure the mistakes I've made, things I've said that I shouldn't have said in the past, I don't say them again. And I make sure that if I ever hear them from anybody that I can I can have influence on, I make sure they don't say them. And that, and here's the thing that, that I'm going to sound like, <laughs> I'm going to do my best to not sound like old man Chappelle. Um, canceling people, the cancel culture, PC, blah, 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 blah. I'm all about PC culture. I sure. think I think it's gotten a sore rap from people that are used to just getting away with whatever bullshit that they've felt like getting away with. Mm-hmm. But there's something to be said about learning. There's something to be said about also acknowledging where you've, where you've grown from. Right. One thing that I tend to do, <clears throat> pardon me, I've done it on Twitter, Facebook. Um, I've just recently did it on my Instagram. Now on my Instagram, same, same handle at post Favis, P O S T F A U. V-A-V-I-S-T. Um, well, I'm going to have to follow that. I'm going to have to follow that because that's pretty much the only place I put pictures of my kids is Instagram. So, yeah, there's that. 
you can check my artwork out. You know what I'm saying? And actually, I'll follow you on my personal one too, so you can uh, see what me and the kids get down with. But if you, you know, on my on my Instagram, I obviously if you have, if you have been listening for the past however long, I'm very left leaning. Um, I am not like an arch left kind of dude, um, but I am, you know, I have a socialist leanings. Um, I'm very liberal, very open minded, you know, pro LGBTQ. You know what I mean? Pro choice. Like, like pro, just do your thing, but don't treat people like shit. I'm very much on that tip, right? When I was younger, in my 20s, and I've just recently just, and I have tons of followers that are trans and non-binary. One of my exes is non-binary, and, and she and I are still, they and I are still very good friends. See, there you go, people. You grow. You learn. Um, excellent friends. They are the homies, and they were at my wedding, met my wife, love the family, the whole, the whole nine yards, right? Mm-hmm. I make no bones about the fact that I used to be the biggest transphobe. I used to be a horrible transphobic person. Not a hater, not like, oh, I'm, a, I'm not, not going to gay bash people and beat them up. It was nothing like that. But it was always on some, yell for real, this is how y'all get down. You just want, you know, one of those idiot old dudes, like, they just want attention. Like, you know, like a trans person wants attention from sure. hater people that are going to beat them to death. You know what I mean? Or cut them or mm-hmm. whatever. So that's the tip I was on until like I, I found religion, truthfully, and like you know, part of the phrase. But yeah, I realized how idiotic it was to think that way as a black man in America, as a minority in America. How ignorant and and hypocritical it is to think that way about another minority group. And I checked myself, and I grew from it, and I readily, not often, because I don't want to sound like I'm you know virtue signaling. But I will be like, yo, this is where I grew from. So all of you people that see me ride super hard for trans people and non-binary people and gay people, even though I'm very much a cis-hetero dude, um, that's because I know how fucked up my thinking was. And when I see people be like, oh, uh, uh, she looks like a she-male. And all the the dumb things that people say, I don't stand for it any longer because I realize that even from the mild transphobia that I had, that shit was fucked up. So I have no patience for anybody being violently or, or even otherwise just ill-tempered towards trans people because they just want to live. You know what I mean? And, well, and, it's, and, and whether it comes to like a racial aspect, an LGBTQ aspect, a socioeconomic aspect, class, whatever, it's okay to acknowledge that you've grown because that's what we need to do. If you act like you've been perfect your whole life, a, it's bullshit and someone's going to call you out. B, it's impossible. So just learn and grow from it. You know what I mean? And and there, we've all said wild shit in our younger days, right? Mm-hmm. Well, how do we grow from that? How do we improve ourselves from that? And if you aren't improving, if you aren't growing, if you're trying to fake like you made that whole shit, you're going to get called out super quick. Yeah, nobody's perfect and you will, you will get called. And we talked about this, I think, before I hit the record button. And it, it's... You were, you talked about transphobia. You talked about LGBT, LGBT, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna kill it. And it's cool, man. <laughs> it's it's just a lot of letters. At least you don't sound like Trump. Like I no, but my my point was gonna be is why and I don't understand. And this is some this is a learned behavior. This is not anything I grew up with because Lord knows I again go back in my past, you'll find it. What does their life living it as a trance, as a 
gay person as a non-binary person. How does that affect your hetero life? It doesn't. At all. <laughs> Not a thing. <laughs> Literally and, nothing. And, and, and realistically, and you can go right down the line. Why does her being female make her less qualified for the job you're applying? It doesn't. Why does that person being black make them more less qualified? It doesn't. And the problem people ha- and this, the 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 outrage of it, it bother- this this is what bothers me the most because I I know I believed it at one point but it bothers me to this day is that you sit there and you look at well the only reason why they got the job is because they you know they're trying to meet uh, equality and so on and so forth the you know what you know what I started ahead I've learned that. But here's the bottom line. I don't care if I got passed over on a job or if I got passed because somebody, if that was the case, it means it was close enough that they should have, they were in consideration and they are going to make it a better place because they're there. That representation, hey, the representation is necessary, right? Correct. Another thing I would just say real quick, not to like back slap you. You can. The fact I that you're it. able to pause. <laughs> the fact that you're able to pause and be like, you know what, man? You know what? You know what? You know what? That person got that job because they were qualified. They may have picked them, quote unquote, over me because of some affirmative action, whatever it is, the quota, bullshit. It does affect you. Yeah. Take a pause and take a step back and be like, yo. They didn't just be like, yo, we need a trans person. Who's someone wearing a dress and a beard? Okay, here you go. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't on some bullshit. It was a qualified human being. Correct. That should have been there, right? And if it's Correct. neck and neck, if it's neck and neck, that means the next time you got it. You know, and this, this is a beast that I had in high school. Oh, God. In high school, there was this uh, lawsuit against U of M about their admission practices because they had like a point system. That's right. And I remember that. I, I do remember that went all the way to the Supreme Court, didn't it? Yes, it did. And and then they ended up finding that the, that the university was wrong in the way that they were doing it. And I graduated in 2000. So all these kids I went to school with were like, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. You, John, you should apply to U of M. They'll just let you in because you're black. And I'm like, yo, fuck you, first of all. I know I know this <laughs> oh, is after school. I know there's a Baptist school, but fuck you, first of all. <laughs> for only 4% of the student body, motherfucker. If you didn't get in, that's because of you. If, yeah. if the, if, okay, and because and, I brought it, we were having this conversation. It was one of this, this asshole I went to school with. He, he and I never got along. Um, so I brought in, like, my gigantic book of, like, stats for each college. As we were, you know, senior year, <laughs> we're applying. And so he's having this whole beef the whole week. And I class. always thought I was a nerd, by the way. <laughs> oh, dude, no, 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 trust me, you are not alone, you are not alone, and so I brought the book, and I was like, so Frank, I opened it up, I was like, says here, black people are 2.7% of U of M student body out of 40,000, Asian is 9.7%, I'm just pulling these numbers out of my ass, um, 9.7%, and that's actually fairly accurate um, for, for Asian people, out of 40,000 people, uh, Latino is, it uh, looks like, 1.2%, all right, cool, 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 
white is 87% of the student body. Motherfucker. Okay, if you can't get into a college that has, let's see, 87% of 40,000 would probably be about 32,000 white people there compared to literally everybody else. That wasn't you don't cool. deserve you, you don't deserve it. Apply to Grand Valley State. <laughs> go to go to Ohio State. I'm sure they'll let you in. You know what I mean. But let's, <laughs> but let's stop bitching about U of M. And I and not to mention the motherfucker had grades like mine. He wasn't gonna get in. <laughs> so to hear people beef about that sort of shit, it's like no, like the people that that get somewhere have something, right? I got passed over on a on a promotion because. The person next to me was a woman and had 15 years of experience. I have nothing to bitch about. Literally it, nothing to bitch about. And it's, and it's and, funny. It's funny. I, I had the same thing happen to me a couple months ago. I got passed over. Was she a woman? Sure. She had 15 years with the company. I had less than three. Guess there, what? Dude, we were in the exact same boat. <laughs> exact same boat. And, and, I had, and, and I looked at and I went – and the fact that – it took him two weeks to decide to choose her over me. I put that much of a decision. I was proud of that. And and when they said who it was, I'm like going, oh, shit, I got no problem with that. <laughs> and then, then you go and pick her up. You send her an email. Hey, man, congrats. I was hoping to get that one. I know you're going to rock it out. Boom. And then you and then everyone's happy. Sure. And then and everyone's now, happy. And life is good, you know. So let, let, let's bring this back full circle. So like yes, I said, the, the Bucks canceled. The Bucks went on strike tonight. The NBA went on strike tonight. Since we've been starting this conversation, so by the morning this will probably be news, I saw um, Bleacher Report is saying the Lakers and Clippers have voted not to finish this, the NBA season. I assume the Bucks are having similar conversations. Yo, what? So, what so what? so what's next? And, and, that's, and that's a legitimate question. For the Bucks, for these teams... The WNBA, the women that were strong enough. Oh my God! And by the way, the, the Washington Mystics absolutely killed it tonight. They had, they spelled out Jacob Blake, and then on the back of their shirts, each of them had seven bullet holes, had seven holes in the back, like marks on the back of their shirt. The WNBA, the W. Okay, the NBA, and, and I want to point this out because this the WNBA amazes me with their strength. And I'm not. I don't watch a ton of it. Not going to say I do. But the social strength of these women is amazing. And I will tell you, because the WM, an NBA player, the minimum salary is almost a million dollars. It's not for these women. For them to sit there and say, you know what? Screw you. We're not playing tonight. This is wrong. For them to do the things they have done on a social justice level, for, for men, for women, anybody, you want inspiration, you look to them. Because they're doing it right. They're looking at it as these are not women making tons of money. And at yet all. they're still willing to throw it away because they see a bigger picture. And, and that to me is awesome. And, and the thing about it, I think it stems from, it's the same with uh, the NWSL where, you know, you saw Megan Rapinoe was the first soccer player to take a knee sure. um, during, the, during the unnecessary national anthem before every sporting event, which is just something that we just need to just kibosh because it's like, hey, sure. it's us. North Korea and China. Woo! Um, well, although, at a, at a, and we, I, I think Pat and Chris and I have talked about this. At a national team game, it makes sense. Yeah! At I mean, a Major League Baseball game, at a NFL game, at an MLS. Forget it! No. At a high school basketball game? No, no. You I, know I, 
when I was in high school, I, I think I could remember standing out there on the field for the anthem. I'd start pacing. I was getting ready for the game. I would not. Bro, <laughs> I'd just start pacing. Preach. I'd be like, screw this. Get it done with. I want to play. Oh, exactly. And this isn't like the 1940s. But the point I was going to make is, with women's sports in this pardon me, with women's sports in this country, because I think, and whoever happens to listen to this, please correct me. I am not acting like the arbiter of like all all things. I'm just a college dropout. Okay. <laughs> I think a lot of this has to stem from the fact that a number of them are LGBTQ and having to deal with the, and also being women and like being women in this country is kind of a shit into the stick. And so being furthermore, a gay or queer lesbian, you know, woman, you're going to get even shittier ends of the stick. So because their teammates, right, are like, you have multiple teammates that are like, some are straight, some aren't, and they're like, yo, this is my teammate, I got your back. Even if they're like, not gay, they're like, I'm a ride for my gay homie. Mm-hmm. And because of that, because of that mindset and that, that automatic, yo, this is wrong, right? Regardless, this is wrong. They're ready to step up and be like, nah, F this, this is wrong on every level. Because there should be no reason for there should be no reason for a man to get shot in the back seven times when he's not a threat. There should be no reason for a young woman to die as she's sleeping. Correct. As the cops break into the wrong house because this woman's sleeping, right? No, I thought no, they Lando broke into Steel had no, no reason. Her, Brianna Taylor's it was the right. They were serving a warrant and shot her on her oh, boyfriend, so I believe. On her boyfriend, and then but wow. And shot her. It was something like it, it was. It doesn't make it right. It was still jacked up, and the fact that nothing's happened there is very, very disheartening. I, it, it's just bullshit. But yeah, that there's that. Absolute travesty. But then, like Philando Castile getting murdered in front of his daughter. Right? Why do you need to traumatize these people? Traumatize their families, their communities. Right? For for and for what gain? You know. What law and order are we gaining by these individuals dying, right? But then Clive and Bundy gets to hold a piece of federal land for a month and nobody goes to prison? Well, my, my question is, they get away with it because they say they're afraid. The question is, why? What are you afraid of? Why are you afraid? And that's the question that need, to me needs to be answered. If you look at somebody and the color of their skin scares you, you're wrong. It's just that simple. If they're an asshole and they're holding a gun, got it. It's an asshole with a gun, right. An asshole it's with an a asshole gun. with a gun. But I'm, you're I'm, looking I'm... at the color of their skin and that instantly scares you. Or because their pants are – or because they're wearing a hoodie. Stop it. Lord knows there, you can look at whatever color you are. If you're listening, you'll find somebody doing the same damn thing. And, Stop and it. Let's just look at the numbers, right? I, I got into it with a, with a family member about this once. They're in law enforcement. I'm not going to say which law, family member in particular. They're in law enforcement. And they just explained to me why racial profiling was a justifiable thing to use in policing. Okay. And as he explained it to me, I'm listening to him, and he's like, you know, there's a, like, say if I've been, I've pulled over, like, three black dudes that day, right? Mm-hmm. And I've pulled over another black dude, and I've had trouble with those previous three black dudes. I'm going to be ready for some trouble because that's what I've been running into. And, and you know, if 
something goes sideways, then I need to do whatever I need to do to take control of the situation. And I said, I was like, what you just explained to me is racial profiling. What you just explained to me is a racist behavior in order to prejudge somebody before you even had an interaction with them. The way that you should be approaching it is all those dudes that gave you problems, you could pull over a 90-year-old white lady, right, with all of her cats in the car and treat her the same way you would those dudes that gave you trouble. That's really, if, if that's your mindset. If you're going to be a douche canoe, be a douche canoe to everybody. Everyone should be suspect. Everyone if you're going to be a douche canoe, you be a douche canoe to everybody. I'm saying, though, in yeah. the, the path of the nozzle, right? Like, that's, that's how this shit should work. But if you're just saving that energy for dudes that look like me, and this is a family member I was speaking to, okay? Mm-hmm. If you're saving that energy for dudes that look like me and you're justifying it, how am I supposed to feel about how you feel about me? And they had no answer. Yeah. And this was after they'd accused me of hating on the cops and saying, like, basically, F the police, pigs, A cab, yada, yada, yada. And so I called them on that in the in that same conversation. I was like, you've been saying every time someone says, hey, yo, what you just said was effed up, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, well, John says this, this, and this about the, about the cops online. And so I was like, I need you to tell me when I said some foul shit about the cops. Because I do recall being like, I had a hashtag on my Facebook. You probably remember it. If I be, hashtag, if I become a hashtag. Right? Yeah. And it was, Hashtag, if I become a hashtag, don't send hopes and prayers to my wife. Send her money so we can get a lawyer to sue the motherfucker that shot. If I become a hashtag, don't send photos of my Facebook from when I'm 22. I want you to post pictures of me with my kids. And I was like, and I had like a whole raft of those, one right after the other. Mm-hmm. And so I asked them straight up. I asked them straight up. I was like, so is this what you're talking about? Me hating on the cops, me being disrespectful to the police, because this is more me venting because I'm scared that I might get clapped in front of my children. And they were like, oh, no, no, I remember that. No, I I wasn't offended about that. I was like, so then you need to tell me what I did that offended you, because this keeps coming up. And otherwise, it just sounds like you're just trying to make an excuse for what I'm saying, as opposed to addressing the things that I'm saying. And they admitted that, like, no, you know, I, 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 you'd asked me this before, and I looked through your whole Facebook feed, and you never really said anything. That was out, that was out of source, and you know, I really shouldn't have said that. And it's like, and and that to me, and that same person I had a conversation with them uh, later on or early on this year, mm-hmm. and I said the same thing about the Fraternal Order Police. The Fraternal Order Police has coddled too many bad dudes, has coddled too many bullies, mm-hmm. at under this whole fraternity thin well, blue it's, line, it's us it's, protecting the you know society from the crazies. It's like yeah, but the, if you got crazies in there, you need to protect us from them too. Yeah, and and if if you want my one criticism of a union, that might be that they the fraternal order police is a union. They're looking out for every yep. mem every member, and unfortunately, they don't distinguish between those who aren't meeting the standards. Versus those who are, and that's one of the problems. And but you can go through almost any union, and you're going to find some instances of that. And that's a harder question, and, I, and that might be almost another pot in and of itself. But at the bottom line is, 
But you're talking about police that are some of, supposed to be some of the most respected people in our society. These are the people of your neighborhood, as Mr. Rogers used to like to say. And yes. they should be the ones you look to for support. Yes. They aren't the and, ones you should be af- they are not the ones you should be afraid of and that to me is the problem. You should not have to be pol- afraid of police. And yet here we are as a co- as a country and there are way too many people who are who need to be afraid of the po- need to be afraid of the police. They have no choice. Correct. Like I I have no choice. You know what I mean? Like the, the police show up to a cop knocked on my door a couple months ago, right? Mm-hmm. Right in the middle of pandemic, right? Um I don't know. They were looking for some dude named Jake, right? And so I'm sitting there and just, I just punched out. I've been punched out for a half an hour, right? Sure. Playing with my kids. We're sitting there playing Uno or some shit, right? In the, in the mm-hmm. living room. My, wife, my wife's making dinner. Norman Rockwell shit, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm sitting there just like chilling with my kids, you know, loving them. I'm like, oh yeah, long day at work, blah, blah, blah. We're going to just bullshit. Someone knocks on the door and we're like, no one's supposed to be coming over. I go and open the door, shirtless, right? <laughs> and I'm coming <laughs> with tattoos. It's in there shirtless with my beer belly. I open the door, I was like, uh, hello? Yes. And he was. And he looked at me and was like, uh, is Jake here? I was like, nobody named Jake here, sir. And immediately, my heart rate skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. And I do my level best to not show it. My heart rate skyrockets. I wasn't doing a thing wrong. Chilling my kids. You know what I mean? Sure. Little boy, little girl. Got my wife cooking. Norman Rockwell shit. And I'm sitting there <laughs> just like, what is this dude doing here right now? What is this dude doing here right now? He's like, uh, so no one here is named Jake? I was like, my name's John, sir. And he was like, who all else is in the house? I was like, I got out of I leaned out of the way. That's my wife, Alicia. There are my kids, Sebastian, Charlotte. Say hi, kids. Hi. Say hi to the officer, kids. You know what I mean? Just trying to yeah. be like cool as possible. I was shaking in my boots, sweating, flop sweating. Flop sweating. And I'm getting <laughs> shit wrong. Like, for real. Like, my mom caught me with a porno. Like, that's how I was sweating, dude. <laughs> Whoa. For no kids Like that, yeah! Crazy sweating. Like, serious. And so he's like, oh, well, you know, sorry to bother you. You know, it goes about his business. And they end up going into another part of the building, and I don't even know if they found the dude they were looking for. But at the same, but that whole interaction, I got goosebumps just talking about it right now. That sure. whole and, interaction was so was, wild to me. And that to me, and that to me is is the crux, the crux of the biscuit, as you've been saying. That's the damn problem. Is yeah. if that happens to me, I'm not going to have that reaction. Yeah. And I, but here you are, and you have to have that reaction. And you I live had, you, your mom had to have that conversation with you. How to interact with police at twelve? At twelve, right? Twelve, right? I weighed ninety pounds, soaking wet, right? Skinny as shit. I look like a bean pole, right? Mm-hmm. That same beach, right? We we lived in Reston, Virginia, Metro Detroit. Okay, very affluent area. We happen to live in the projects part of Reston, um, but I was in the quote unquote downtown part, the town center. Yeah, and that's where that's where the library was. So I went to the library to do research for a program, uh, for for uh, you know an assignment. So I take the local bus. It's like one of those like not like I don't want to say short bus. That's that's messed up. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know those like commuter buses, not like the yeah. big boys, like the little tiny ones that can get into neighborhoods and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we had we had that. It's called the ribs bus. So I rode the ribs bus up to the up to the 
library so I can go and do my research. As I walk into the library, 12 years old, literally 90 pounds. I'm not joking, 90 pounds soaking wet. Got my backpack on. I'm walking into the library, five foot six. I can't intimidate a thing, right? A white dude and his daughter walk out. She's older than me. She's easily 15, 16 years old. As I walk by them, he very visibly puts his arm around her and pulls her tight and like walks wide around me as I'm walking towards them. Like I had coronavirus. That's how these motherfuckers acted. Like I was a walking coronavirus like cell. And I watched them do this and I felt dehumanized immediately. Immediately. And I went and sat down, like I get in the library, do my thing. I was I sit down, I'm like, they were scared of me. These people were scared of me just for literally no reason. I have a backpack on, I'm walking into a library in an affluent suburb. And these two white people, this especially the, the dad, was frightened of me and pulled his daughter close so as not to be threatened by all 90 pounds of me. Yikes. So, again, I'm, I'm going to come back to and Like I said, we, we need to stop, and that's, you know... Um, that's the long and short of it. It's, 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 it's all fucked up. But how, how do what what is I, and I, I want to bring it to sports because you know I'm a soccer pod so that's kind of where I want to kind of bring yeah, what, yeah. what's what's the next step I, I I get the the Bucks I think came out tonight and said they and they've met with the Attorney General of the state of Wisconsin and they've had a call or a Zoom meeting with them him and or her, I'm not sure it's Wisconsin I'm not really sure anymore and also the Lieutenant Governor of Wisconsin they've had a, have had meetings with her with them they've demanded they've said in their statement that. The uh, legislature needs to come back and address police brutality. And Governor Evers put a whole bunch of things to, and he's called them back in for special session and has some things in front of them. So, presuming that doesn't happen because it's Wisconsin and the legislature is Republican led and they do, they choose not to. Mm. I I saw the like I said I saw earlier the and Bleacher Report saying the Lakers and Clippers have voted to walk away. Are the Bucks? Is that the next step? Do you end it? You say screw it. We're we're just done. Until you know, some of this stuff gets fixed. And is that enough of a statement, being the NBA? Or does it have to be more? Does it have to be the Brewers refusing to take the field? The, you know, the Cubs, the White Sox. Does it take something like that? I, I, I don't, I'd love to say MLS can have a fact. MLS saying, you know what? Until some of this gets fixed, we're not, we're done too. Number one, can, you know, is that what what is the next step? And that's where I'm kind of curious to what you think it should be. I'm I, I'm again, I am. In awe of the strength of the Clippers and the Lakers, if that report is true, that they're willing to walk away from it. They're the number one and two seed in the West. The Bucks are the number one seed in the East. And they're saying, you know what? This may not be worth it. Things and, need to change and, and we have the platform to do it. We're going to force that change. And add to that. You know, LeBron's not a spring chicken, and he's basically giving up a, a prime opportunity to win another championship. The money attached to that, the money that they're forfeiting to not finish the season because that's going to breach a contract. They're going to get sued by the owners. Um, I don't. I, I don't think. I don't. That I don't believe will happen with the NBA. I 
I don't believe that'll happen with the Lakers. I think the Bus family, although they, I, somebody rightfully pointed out, Anschutz is one of the owners, and Lord knows he gives enough to Republican causes. Um, but yeah. I don't, I know, I don't believe that'll happen with Steve Ballmer. I, it sounds like the Bucks ownership is in lockstep with is supporting the players public, at least publicly. Um, but the seat, like you said. You have LeBron nearing the end of his career and looking for another title. You have Giannis digging. Giannis going to be the two. He's defensive player of the year. He's going to be the MVP again, hunting for his first title. You've got some storylines in the NBA that are outstanding, and yet they seem like they're willing to throw it away. They're not throw it away. They're willing to make a stand for something that is bigger than them. And that, to me, is, as John Lewis, you know, the late congressman said, that's good trouble. That's great. This, this, this is this is good trouble that they did tonight, and as a fan of the of the Bucks, for them to start it, I I am proud to be a fan of the Milwaukee Bucks. That, and I can't say I have said that out loud very often in the last <laughs> twenty years, because Lord knows they had those Barney jerseys for years, and that was that was Ugh, just hard yeah, to look at. That was hard to look at. God, um, and they were bad. <laughs> the thing for me, um, as I think about it, right. It obviously has to be bigger than sports, but and and Dio Hughley said this on the radio today. I just happened to hear it. I can't stand Dio Hughley. I'm not a fan of his at all. Um, he says nonstop problematic shit about gay people and women, and I just you know I don't fuck with that. Um, but what he said today ended up getting bleeped on air too. Um, a lot of these people that think that we need to just shut up and dribble, Laura Ingram. Um, a lot of these people that want to, that in June found religion and then by the end of July forgot the religion, um, the distractions that they have star black people, the distractions that keep them from facing the real issue that they're, that we're dealing with, um, are prominently featuring African-Americans. And it, it, it reminds me of a meme that I saw. It's the meme of like a mom trying to help a little girl swim and jump into the pool, and while mm-hmm. the other little girl is like half drowning. Um, and in the meme, it said, you know, the, the mom is white people, white America. The little girl about to jump into the pool is black culture, but black people are over there drowning. Um, that's that's really what this is. If if the distractions that America needs to opioid opiate itself, you know, the opiate of the masses is religion as far as Marx is concerned. In America it's sports. What numbs us and what keeps us from really looking too hard at the shit in front of us, and we saw it during the pandemic, is sports. It's movies. It's creative humanities, creative outlets that are generated by and large by black culture. All those TikTok dances, trap music, literally every sport besides hockey and baseball. If it weren't for black Americans, and if it, was, if it weren't for the second-class citizens of this country, the shit wouldn't be nearly as entertaining. If you think I'm wrong, go and watch basketball clips from the 40s. Okay? So, if removing that distraction really puts the, the, the glaring halogen light on something that's fucked up, then that distraction doesn't need to be there. You know what I mean? Like, that's why that's why I'm going radio silent on Instagram. 
I know for the minor numbers of people that give any modicum of a shit about the art that I make, I don't want to be even a morsel of an ingredient to keep them from looking at. And I know, like, like, like I said, the followers that I have agree with me. They, they feel the same way that I do. But if what I make keeps them from calling some bullshit out, keeps them from saying the right thing and being like, hey, this isn't cool, this is not normal, this is not right, then I don't need to be that distraction. As I said on Twitter, I don't need to be the cello player on the Titanic while this shit sinks. Because we could watch this shit sink and we can distract ourselves as much as we want to, but not having anything in there in front of us, not having the NBA playoffs, which as far as the sports coming back has been the best of sports that have come back. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've been watching my Italian soccer. I've been watching my Dutch soccer. It's really weird to see one eighth full field, right? But it's for, but the quality of play is still there as far as the air divisi goes. With sure. the NBA, the immersive experience, the music, the fact that they have like the cheer button so people can still kind of interact, the the webcam like fans in the back. It's the zoom, all really the zoom, cool. The zoom, big one big Zoom meeting, which was cool enough that. The that the WWE adopted the same thing and it's a great idea. It's it, it absolutely like, is. I didn't even think I was like, how are they going to do it? I thought they were just going to be playing like you know like like Vegas summer league, just a bunch of mm-hmm. brothers in the gym, squeaky in squeaky shoes, and, and a bunch of f bombs, a whole lot of trash talk. Um, <laughs> but the way they've done it is is spot on and li- li- like literally as perfect as you want to be to get a sports league going in the middle of a global pandemic, right? To yank that out from sports fans right now, and it's like, so you could either watch baseball play in these empty cathedrals, right? Or, you know, or we can not watch football at all. And all these people buttressing for college football to come back, buttressing for the NFL to come back, college sports in general. These are distractions that star black people. If we're good enough for y'all to spend all kinds of money on jerseys and merch, especially for these college kids that don't get a cut of it, right? If you want to go to Space Jam 2, all this other stuff, whatever it is, if you appreciate that shit, you need to appreciate us because you wouldn't have rock and roll. You wouldn't have country music. You wouldn't have trap music, techno. You know what I mean? Like any number Mm -hmm. of creative pursuits. Are a result, jazz music are a result of the second and third class citizens of this country, and until people really like come to the grips that they need to about that, stuff like this needs to happen. Like, they, like every black player in every league, if they sat down right now and they know they're going to cost themselves all kinds of money, right? But not only are they costing themselves money, they're going to be costing the owners money because who wants to watch a whole bunch of the whole team of Jimmer for debt? play basketball i don't that's why i don't watch college basketball you know if i wanted to watch accountants play basketball i'd go down to the park and watch these fools brick jumpers okay people watch the nba because these guys are excellent at what they do and people watch the nfl because these guys are excellent at what they do now mind you in the nfl that what they do is turn their brains into porridge but people will pay billions of dollars a year to watch that shit so if you're going to appreciate us sacrificing our bodies and our and our home lives and everything else to entertain you why not make it so we can thrive and like our families outside of that field can thrive 
because you may think so-and-so, the running back for XYZ team is kosher, right? But his cousin just got a knee in the middle of his back because he was driving with a blown-out taillight. It all, it all connects to one another. To, and to me, it fascinates, and not, I, it fascinates is probably, it, it, I guess it's a morbid thing to see. Fascination is a good word. Fascinate, I think that's, I think the that's number of story, But the number of stories from these, that the, you know, Sterling Brown went through. You hear these, and it's like, these are the names that you see in the newspaper, online. These are the players you see... And they go through it. What the hell happens to, like you said, you said the, the these guys cousin, but what hell, the hell happens to Joe down the street that is working three jobs just to try and get by? Right. That's exactly it. That's and exactly it. The first time I got pulled over, the first time, pardon me, not pulled over. The first time I got pulled over was on some bullshit, too. Let me just, let me just... <laughs> Of course um, I was. <laughs> they, they said I was going 60 in a 40, and I drove a 1991 Honda Accord with a messed up muffler, and this was 2006. You, you, you probably could have done 60 if you were going down a hill. Maybe. Bro, if, if I had slapped rockets to that motherfucker, okay, and <laughs> on ice, downhill, right, I would yeah. not have gone. In the span of like three blocks, I was like, okay, okay, this is Fugazi, but we're not even going to bother with this. The first time I got arrested, was in Utica, Michigan, very white community, very, very sundown, don't you brothers be around here kind of community. It, it's one of those like, yeah, we're Metro Detroit, but we're going to pretend like we're in the thumb of Michigan. I got arrested because I had a, a suspended driver's license, like I said, and the dude essentially begged me to admit that I had drugs on me. And I was like, no, like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, then, uh, can I search your car? I was like, no, you can't search my car because it's going to be a waste of your time and mine. There's nothing in this car for you to search. Then he says to me, verbatim, just tell me if there's any weed in the car. I don't feel like kicking your ass and doing the paperwork. I was 19. 20. Pardon me. I was 20 years old. Relevant, but yeah. <laughs> Relevant, but yeah. But 20 years old, I have this grown man threatening to kick my ass just to lie to him so he could feel like he got something accomplished. If, if that's just, that's just one story, right? We have an entire nation of people like, yeah. me, you know, and, and that shouldn't be a, that shouldn't be a tack that someone should take to get what they need done. Right. If you're going to search the car, search the car. You don't have to threat, search the car. You find what you find. You know what I mean? Acting like you're going to kick my ass doesn't do anything. But if you don't have a body cam and I don't ask for your badge number, what do I have to say about it, right? If I get pulled over and the cop's like, hey, you've got dreadlocks, I think you have weed in the car, search the car anyway, then there's nothing in the car. And then when I call to complain about it, they say, well, they didn't give you a ticket. What are you complaining about? That's a problem. Mm-hmm. You, I got racially profiled because of my dreadlocks and my white girlfriend at the time same girlfriend that didn't want to go to Michigan works. Um, if I get profiled and then they basically beg her to admit that I hit her and then she's like, what are you fucking talking about? This guy going to hit a fly. Are you kidding me? And then like, well, just so there's weed in the car. They just saw He's a bean pole. He's a bean pole. Now, mind you, I was 140 at the time, but still a bean pole. <laughs> I was much taller. 
Philippine pole. They saw dreadlocks. <laughs> they saw dreadlocks. They saw dark skin. They saw a white girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And so, like, oh, in this Bay City, Michigan, this dude's got drugs on him. Automatic. And so we're going to spend half an hour berating you to tell us that you have drugs on you. Okay. Michigan State Police. And then when I call them, like, hey, I got racially profiled today. Someone from your post did this to me. The, the post commander said, you didn't get a ticket. I don't understand what you're calling and complaining about. To which I responded, I'm apparently talking to the wrong asshole. Hung up the phone, then immediately left a message with my state representative. Because my mom's college educated and I don't play that bullshit. Sorry to get like somber, but yeah, these, nah. these, are, the type, these are the type things, man. Like people don't think about this because like, they don't know, right? Nope. I bring these stories up not for like, oh, woe is me. I bring these stories up because otherwise people don't hear it. Nope. And, and, when we started it, the, the conversation, it, what started this whole thing tonight was I saw you, you had posted on Twitter. It's like, I don't have a platform big enough. And I don't think I have a platform much bigger, but I have one. So we're using it. And it, it, is it going to be perfect? Will it get a lot of listens? Probably not. But it's a start. And hey, that's and that, and that's it. If It's out there. Maybe somebody people, will pick it up. If people want to, like, at me and have some beef with it, I really have no problem being like, hey, let's have, a, let's have an adult conversation. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. But I guarantee you one thing that you aren't going to peg me on is disrespect for the cops. I don't trust them. I respect the police. They have guns, right? Yeah. But I don't trust them. And when it comes to the FOP, I think they've allowed an environment to let predators get away with what they get away with. Correct. And they're too afraid to say, hey, this is making us look bad as a unit, and we should probably not do this so people actually trust us instead of just the people that use us as a political football to get their way. Because that, that's also a thing, too. Same with the military. <clears throat> but I will more than happily have a civil conversation with people about this because I have nothing to be ashamed of, and I and the experiences that I have happen. So I, I'm, I'm happy that whoever has not gone through that, I don't wish anybody would, would have gone through it. But my super duper white wife has also experienced the shit. Okay, mm-hmm. my brother has experienced the shit. My dad has experienced the shit. This isn't a matter of, like I said, this isn't a matter of what was me. This is a matter of the process is broken, sure. and how do we fix a broken process? Because that's the only way to improve on this shit right now. Because as it stands, we're ancient Rome. As it stands, you know we're we're Nero is fiddling. Nero's, he's tuning up. You know what I mean? He's tuning up and saying shit like law and order. You know what I mean? Right now, Nero's about to tweet through it. He ain't going to play. He's about to tweet through it. So let me let me see if I can break this down to at least some sort of a conclusion. As to Anybody who's listening, if, you're, if you've been hanging on this long, listen to me for the next couple of minutes because I'm going to throw some ideas at, and John's going to tell me whether I'm an idiot or not. Probably, well, I'm an idiot, but that's another story. And things that people can do. And and I'm going to start with a simple solution. And it's been out there. This is obviously a common thing. You vote. And I don't just mean in November this year. I mean every damn election. Primary, general, you vote. Because the primaries determine who's on the ballot. The general elections in every year, 
especially in non-presidential year, those are the ones that are going to impact you the most. So start there. If somebody, if you vote for the person who's going to continue this course, you're part of the problem. Vote for the one who's going to change it. Vote yeah. for the one that's closest. But don't sit it out because you say, well, they don't meet my ideals. Nobody's going to. Going find, to. The one that, find the one that's closest and push that button. It's Check that name. It's all about compromising. Proper politics comes down to pro- compromising. Anyone that thinks they're fully going to get their way, party line, whatever the bullshit is, You're is never, never going, to. going to happen. It's all about... I, I had aspirations at one point in life. Sorry to interrupt you, but I had aspirations at one point in life to go into politics. Sure. Um, so did I. And, I. and I still might. I still might if, you know, when we're looking to buy a house and wherever we end up um, living is where I want to, like, set up roots and, like, actually do something for my community. But there's something to be said about the importance of local elections and community elections, because that is where the rubber really meets the road, right? That's, the where, you can, that's, where, you, that's where you can influence change. On a national level, it's minimal. It, on a local level, changing your school board up is going to change a lot of things. And, that, and that's – and yeah, it, get involved, volunteer. That's another part. But it, the other thing is ask – don't be afraid to ask questions. If you don't understand something, if you're if you look like me, if you're a white person, like don't be afraid, be respectful. Ask questions. But if you ask questions, listen to the answer. Actually listen. <laughs> listen to the answer and grow from it. Yes. Don't be defensive. And don't if there's anything I'd add to that, listen to the answer and don't be defensive. If you're going to take the time and care about what you're asking about, and if it, and answer, if you, if the answer is you, then change you. Then change you. But at the same time, if the answer, even if whatever the answer is, listen, because if you're just asking questions to argue with somebody, there are entire social media platforms where you can do that shit and have a grand old time doing it, right? Sure. But, but the the way to fix things is to actually hear someone out. Ask a woman, right? Ask a woman, why do you go to the bathroom with your friends? Not a single one will tell you, and I didn't find this out until I was married. It's because they're afraid of being accosted by some random motherfucker on the way to the bathroom. And they don't have their homegirls there to be like, no, you're coming with us. Some dude is going to stand in the way. You know what I mean? It's, it's that yeah. sort of shit. You want to know why black folks don't trust the cops? Ask us. We'll tell you why. Because I watched my dad get arrested for no fucking reason. Because I've been arrested three times for stupid reasons. Not me personally. Every time I got arrested, I deserve to be arrested. The first time I got arrested, I did not deserve to be profiled the way that I did. Sure. I did not deserve to be threatened the way that I did. Right? But I deserve to be arrested. I should have been arrested. I drove on a suspended license. That's, sure. that's what happens, right? Yeah. But threatening my personal well-being, he did that shit for fun. Yeah. Right? Uh, And so when people people say this stuff, you got to listen and not be like, oh, well, you you probably did something wrong. No, don't victim blame. Listen. No, it's funny. And I'm going to sidetrack and then I'm going to bring it back to – I was I was at a military course a couple of years ago, and I we were sitting there, and there were a few of them that were police officers in the civilian world. This is a reserve guard course, and I'm not even going to say the state, but 
the the level of things that they do just to mess with people, the level of Rambo ness that they had, at least in this group that we had, astounded me. I'm, and I'm still going. I think one had just hit desk duty for shooting at something. And I'm going, and he was almost proud of it. I'm like, really? That's, yeah. And and that's the problem. And then I was gonna get. And then to my last part, I was gonna say the last thing is teach your kids better than what we were taught. And I'm not saying I'm not blaming my parent. My parents. I my parents did a wonderful job. I probably didn't listen nearly as much as I should have. Um, we never do. But. Teach your kids to not be afraid based. And we talked about this right at the beginning of the show. You know, it's the religious element or God's image, whatever. Don't look at somebody and be afraid of them because of how they look. Be afraid of them because they're an asshole with a gun. But don't be afraid of them for just how they look or what because they don't look like you. Because you might find your best friend. You never know. And there are plenty of assholes with guns that are the people we're supposed to trust. So. Let's not act like because someone looks a certain way, they need to, you know, as a, as a tattooed person, right? There are plenty mm-hmm. of people that are like, oh my gosh, oh, that dude's got a crazy amount of tattoos. It's like, I work for a company that's traded on NASDAQ and I do international business. Like I go to Toronto fairly until recently, fairly regularly to do business and represent my company in a different country. Don't mind my visible tattoos. Don't mind my non-visible tattoos. I'm the dude that they trust. And if they trust me to represent their NASDAQ traded company to other NASDAQ traded companies, I must be doing something all right. Now, somebody that might look the part could very easily be that dude you need to be afraid of. That's what that's what Ted Bundy made his bones on. Mm-hmm. Wow. Pun intended. Wow. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, <laughs> but that, it's that sort of thing. So. You know, the the whole don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, that's true. But the fact of the matter is, don't judge. Just wait. All right. And we're going to finish We're going to finish it. I'm going to get a news reaction from you because I caught this is in the last couple hours. Sources say every team besides the Lakers and Clippers voted to continue playing. LeBron James said in the meeting he wants owners to be more involved, take action. So I'm guessing the NBA's conversation isn't over yet. They, what they're doing is... This is just my two cents. Mm-hmm. A, they're saving themselves individually millions of dollars, uh, but at the same time, they're putting the onus on the on the owners. Like, the, like you're the people that because owners, you're you're own, the billionaires. Fine. You can you can influence change. The, those are the people that like they own sports teams for fun. Mm-hmm. Right? So they made their wealth in other shit. So mm-hmm. players are like, yo. Use your influence in that other shit that you do, and that's where Steve Ballmer. I, I know he's gonna he's gonna knock it out of the park. Sure. But there are you know you can't get to that level of money without running into people that have the same type of opinions as the people that help make the, the shitty decisions that we've been dealing with for the past four years. Mm-hmm. So they're really just like they're they're putting the ball in their court. They're like we're we're protesting the way that everyone says that we need to. We're being polite and tactful and saying things as nicely as possible. And then for the past, I've seen probably five different videos this week of some type of police brutality. Yeah. Uh, unnecessary police brutality. Be it on, and it's the point now, and that's why I said the other day on Twitter, I was like, I don't need to see these videos anymore. I don't need to see these snuff films anymore. What we need is people with influence and people with money to stand up and be like, this is effed up. 
enough is enough. Because no one's listening to the brothers. No one's listening to the sisters that, that are getting clapped. No one's listening to their family members crying in the street. Someone needs to listen to us. And, who can, and someone needs to change this thing. So who can do it? People with money. Because in this country, money is really where all the influence comes from. That's mm-hmm. my that's my two cents on that. Yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap this up. We've been at this almost two hours. So if anybody's hanging on to the end, I hope everybody is. And I hope you pass this on to your friends because I think this has been it's been a great conversation. Um, I'm a better person for it. And I'm glad you took the time to to chat with me tonight, John. There's definitely no question about Minivan Dad on Twitter. It's at Minivan Dad Pod. I'm at TJ Zaremba. John, you want to what's your where, where can we find you again? So on Instagram, you can find or Instagram and uh, and Twitter. <clears throat> you can find me at P O S T F A U V I S T Post Favist. Favism is a art school, art school, a, a method of art that I do uh, on mail labels, actually on stickers and such. Uh, so if you're into artwork, I'm your guy. Uh, you aren't going to see anything for the next few days, but if you are into artwork, you know, post impressionism, you know, poor man's Van Gogh kind of stuff. You should follow me. And on that note, I, John, I can't thank you again. It's been an honor to have you on. It's always fun to do it. Let's do this again when we can have some more fun, have a little bit more fun conversation. How does that sound? Yo, give me about into October. Let me get some Eredivisie, and I can uh, talk Dutch soccer with you. It'll be fun. <laughs> You'll teach me a few things about that, too. So, And on that note, as Chris and Pat always say, you're done. <laughs>